0: Howdy, guys. Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. We have a really good interview-style episode for you today with a good friend of ours named Rob Edens. In this episode, we talk a lot about how to reach younger people or youth with the gospel, all right? Uh, we talk about the major challenges that today's youth are faced with uh, and how the challenges that younger people have today are pretty unique. It's an interesting conversation. It brought a lot of perspective to me personally, and it challenged me on multiple levels. Rob is an amazing man, an amazing husband, father, uh, servant of Christ. Uh, I promise you, you're going to want to hear what he has to say on today's episode. This particular interview is brought to you by our partners at Barbell Apparel. You guys have heard me talk about Barbell for a while now. That's because they've been supporting us here at 307 Project uh, for a long time. We have ran Barbell Apparel through the paces, man. And let me tell you, their products have really stood up to everything that we've thrown at them. Not only do they have an amazing product, everything from the running shorts to the ultralight tech tee, to the uh, amazing jeans that they make. They actually make jeans that are comfortable, that are made to fit athletic people, that actually move with your body, have a little stretch to them, but they're still durable enough to go out and work on your 1983 FJ60 Land Cruiser in, and you don't gotta worry about tearing a hole in them, and you don't gotta worry about them binding you up because they're made to move with you and to fit you. You probably are fairly athletic if you listen to me much, but maybe not. Maybe you're on your journey to get there. Anyways, not only are the products amazing, but they're awesome people. Let me tell you what, not a lot of companies really reach out and want to support 307 Project. Um, A lot of people will will go and kind of look at the YouTube channel and maybe look at some of my posts and all this stuff and they say, man, this guy's a Christian. This guy is outspoken. This guy has some, I don't know if you'd call them, uh, I, I would just say pro-American freedom type views. Eh, we're not going to get involved in, uh, in what they're doing. Well, Barbell's not like that. They've supported us every step of the way. And let me tell you right now, that means a tremendous amount to us. They've partnered with us on a whole lineup of clothing, the One Mile Out lineup. You guys check that stuff out too. There's a link to their website in the show notes of this episode. It's barbellapparel.com. Amazing people, an amazing company with awesome products that are going to help fit you better in every walk of life from your day-to-day to to your fitness journeys. I think you will enjoy what they produce. It matters. Support the companies that support this podcast. It matters to us um, and... It should matter to you where you spend your money. I'm not telling you what to do, but it matters to me where I spend my money. I guess I can only speak for myself. All right, without further ado, here's my brother, Rob Edens, and, uh, oh, yeah, Brooks also on this podcast, so I know you guys love it when Brooks in. So she's in the house today, too. Enjoy it. Love you guys. Enough said.
1: So we weren't supposed to go live yet, just so you guys know.
0: How's your headphone volume? It's good. Okay. All right, Tech Guy, I guess we're good. All right. YouTube's used to things being screwed up around here, so
1: Tech Guy's substitute is uh is already failing at her job. Happens. If you need me, just text me or call me. Okay. Happens every
0: single episode. Thank you, Blake. Um oops. All right, everyone, if you're uh, live on YouTube, welcome to the 307 podcast. I know you're not used to us being live here on YouTube on a Tuesday but this is a special episode that you know if you listen to the audio you know on the 307 podcast most of our episodes are on Wednesdays and it's just us on here talking a bunch of crap to each other but every now and then we we have the good fortune of uh, bringing in a interesting guest and doing an interview style show and so that's who we that's we have a very dear friend of ours and a amazing human being (laughs) that has a lot to say, uh, not only about what he's chosen to dedicate his life to within the body of Christ, uh, but also in his uh, fitness, his weight loss journey. He's come a long ways, done a lot of awesome things. We love him. His name is Rob Edens. And so we have Rob on the podcast today. It's going to be an interview style. First time you've seen this on YouTube yeah. because we have a tech girl behind the yeah, y'all control center today. Y'all don't
1: expect anything special today because I already accidentally <laughs> went live before we were ready. This so,
0: this could cut off at any moment. The, by the, the way, the
1: theme of this the theme of this podcast is the youths. Rob's got some major insight into the youths.
2: Well, to make you feel better, my whole life is just a comedy of errors. So <laughs> it's starting off right.
0: <laughs> he's uh, he's also got a beautiful podcasting voice. Did you just hear that? He sounds really good. It's really wow.
1: like low key. I'm a professional.
0: I don't. Why know what don't you have your own podcast,
2: dude? I've got nothing interesting to say. Oh, Holy that's crap, not true. Man.
1: Wait, can, before you, what are you about to do? Is there anybody
0: right. watching this on YouTube?
1: Um, so far we got sixty-two people.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Um, can I say something? What's really, up, YouTube? Can I say something really quick before you get started? What are you doing?
0: Go ahead, sweet pea. I just got to write Rob's name down so I don't forget it. <laughs> you should you should put it in there as Robert. That's my my legal name. So well, I'm Robbie. gonna say Rob parentheses Robbie.
1: <laughs> okay so real quick last podcast you tried to uh trigger me um with saying i am disrespectful to you and the people don't like it and all this stuff and i just wanted to tell the people who think that i'm disrespectful to you what you did to me the other day when we were arguing
0: okay as long so, as i can first start with telling them what you did to me I'll, in the, how about in the very this? beginning of the day
1: Oh, okay, but okay. Can we make this like? Can we keep this under like three minutes? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, go ahead. Tell them what. Tell them what I did.
0: So for- I wake up, uh, whatever morning this was last week or whatever. Sorry, Rob. To a it's Instagram video, a story post that Brooke makes, and she's standing out in front of the house. I have a. If you guys don't know. You're, you haven't been watching, but I have a very beautiful Land Cruiser. It's probably the most Im- immaculate example of a FJ-60 Land Cruiser in the whole state, okay? Three minutes. I see a that, video where Brooke is standing out in front of the house with her stinking cell phone as a chicken Flies up onto the hood of my Land Cruiser. It was already there, and starts sliding around on the hood of the <laughs> Land Cruiser. And she stay instead of go instead of like shooing the chicken off, she's standing there with her phone, laughing, saying, hey, 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 "But pops ain't gonna like this," <laughs> and she makes a post on on uh, about it. And, and I'm sitting here like, this is like those people that that you know when something happens out in public like somebody starts beating up an old lady instead of helping the old lady they pull their freaking phones out man so you're calling your truck an old lady that's
1: thank you (laughs) it is i was gonna i was gonna make sure 40 something years old man so if people know anything about the behavior of chickens The chicken was kind of walking nicely. At one point, it started to slide off the truck, and that was when things went south. But if I would have approached the chicken, since that was one of our spaz chickens, it probably would have done more damage being spooked than it was just relaxing on your truck. So that was my thought. Was like I was gonna give it space. You know how wild animals like freak out yeah, when you approach I'm them. I'm
0: sure that was your thought as you were filming it and laughing. Regardless.
1: About it. So okay. So you're saying this I'm is sure why? That's
0: what you were thinking. So
1: <laughs> this is this is the excuse for the story I'm about to tell. So I manage property for a living, and our house is kind of in a weird way attached to a property I manage, and the driveway is very long. Our people house, don't need
0: to know all this. About about where we live, by the way. I didn't tell just,
1: anybody about anything. About I was where blocking
0: we the driveway while I was washing my truck.
1: Why are you being so rude? I'm, I'm just saying. So I go up the driveway. You can get a little carried away sometimes. I can't with him. Today. <laughs> and I pull up behind him, and there's literally 16 different places, and I'm not exaggerating, that he could wash his truck where a hose could be hooked up, and he could park it. And he's blocking the driveway and I have people coming up there to work. So I get out of my car and I do not I wasn't yelling, but I definitely wasn't like, hey, you know, I wasn't being friendly. And I said, why are you blocking the driveway? And I went to say there are multiple places that you could wash it other than. And before I could get that out, he turns for service, he starts yelling and saying, you ain't going to come up in here. Cackling at me, telling me I can't wash my truck where I want, and then before I could say anything else, he took the hose and started squirting me in the face with the hose. In amidst all this, yep. So I start walking away, and he's following me, keeping the hmm. hose.
0: I was wondering why you weren't getting mad about it. it was I, really was, I was, me off. I was raging. I. Keep poking the bear. She was just being quiet as I was like direct spraying her right in the face. And I'm like, why is she not running or like getting mad? So I just kept following her and direct (laughs) spray in the face.
1: Nope. So that's so people think that I'm disrespectful. I come up not yelling, not combative. Just, I was not. And I get sprayed in the face with a hose. You talk about disrespect. Well,
0: I'm going to tell y'all something right now. If y'all are watching this. Don't nobody tell me what to freaking do. That's not true. If I want to pull my daggone truck in the middle of Highway 27 down here and run a hose out there and wash it, don't nobody tell this joker what to do, son. So if, if, (laughs) look, when somebody comes up in my space and says, hey,
1: get get, get that truck out of here,
0: you know what I do? (laughs) I say, no you know what you can do if you want me to do something next time boo boo you can come up and respectfully request (laughs) that i move my truck to a different location and if i'm in the mood to acquiesce your request i will move my truck to a different location if not i'm gonna do what the crap i want to do man because that's look at this right here son that's what i do around here i just keep it real you know how it is. So you're lucky you didn't get what you yep. were gonna get. I agree
1: with YouTube. This we're cutting this off. That this is past the three minutes. Oh, and we yeah. gotta get okay, to the the podcast. <laughs> I
0: was getting too. I was getting <laughs> way. Your, your, your truck is a little fired too, too passionate, up, huh, man? This is
1: terrible. All right, and we Rob has a lot of good insight on young people. So don't get off track and start talking about your freaking Land Cruiser and none of your stuff. You started it this way, and and lose track of time. The
0: people who are listening to this should all, should have known right off the bat <laughs> that this was going to go south. Opening it up like this, <laughs> I, right. I want. I, I mean, I'm here to talk about Rob, or Robbie, Robert. Yeah, just not Robbie. Oh uh, <laughs> well, look, I told, ta- I gave Robbie a little introduction here in the beginning, but. Rob, what's up, man? Welcome to the Three of Seven Podcast. Hey, I think we need to talk about idolatry, actually, and and your little your favorite idol out there in the driveway. You ain't lying, man. I had, dude, I got to check myself on that all the time. You know, I agree. Bold move
2: to turn the hose on your wife, though. You know, Abby, my wife would would have killed me. Mm -hmm. Like it would not have gone well. Thank you, Rob. Like I wouldn't be sitting here. So that's bold, real bold.
0: Uh, Fortune favors the bold, brother. Fortune favors the ball. Yeah, you well, got fortune a lot of, might favor the dumb, but
1: <laughs> got a lot of fortune that day, you idiot. <laughs>
0: I got something for you.
1: Focus. Focus. Um, Interview.
0: Robbie, where are you from,
2: man? Well, I grew up in Tifton, Georgia, which is oh dang, that's south. Way south. Uh, and been in Rome. I went to Barry college. Um, actually my family's from here. So Rome's always felt like home. I was talking to my, I think I was talking to my mom the other day and she's from here and talking about home. And, and I was like, you know, Rome already has always been home because that's the place that it's been like the constant in my life. And so I uh, went to Barry college for, I graduated from Barry. I went for two years, my junior and senior year, um, met my wife there. And then we were in Chattanooga for a few years, and then came back when to work at the church here. Um, It's the one place when I told Abby, "Hey, the job opened at Seven Hills. Would you be interested in moving back to Rome?" She's like, "That's the one place I would say yes to."
0: I'll be dang. So how well? How did you want? How did you guys you as you and your family? How did y'all end up getting from Rome to Tifton when you were young? Well, I didn't grow. I was born. I was born in Tifton. You were born in Tifton. Yeah.
2: So my mom grew up here. My grandma is not been going to be ninety one next month lives here and has been here for the last 65 years yeah 66 years so a long time um and so uh they my my parents my dad's job took him to took him to tifton and then when my parents were divorced he's the one that actually uh left and then we all stayed until so when i was 20 my mom sold the house that i grew up in and moved to Atlanta for a job, mm, okay. um, but I'd already transferred to Bear at that point.
0: <clears throat> what was it like growing up in Tifton? Because there's, I mean, there, what is down there? Cornfields? No, nah, it's cotton fields and peanut fields. Cotton and peanuts. So, what did you do when you grew up, man? Like, what did you enjoy doing? Man, uh, I
2: I used to hunt and fish a lot. Come on, <laughs> and dude. Then I, and then I then I grew up and didn't have time for all that anymore.
0: You Used to hunt. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, back
2: I in didn't the day. Know that back in the day did you prefer fishing over hunting or i like them both if i had time i would i would do such things now but my lifestyle does not uh lean towards that in terms of flexibility with being able to go spend saturday morning at a deer stand or yeah. you know go spend hours out maybe when my son's a little bit older we'll do some things like that but right now like my job takes so much of my normal time right? I because my job's not a nine to five it's a like last, I think the last two days, I started my day yesterday at six thirty in the morning, and got done at ten o'clock at night. Mm. And then this morning, I was up leading a Bible study at six thirty, mm. and I worked till five tonight. But yeah, what, so what was your not. what was your
0: childhood like? Did you play sports? Did you? I mean,
2: uh, my first love in life was baseball, so I loved baseball. It was never really any good, um, and and some of that is uh, so. My, A lot of it has to do with my dad not really showing interest in what I was interested in. And so he didn't take the time to – he would play catch with me sometimes in the yard. He would, you know, do – but he would – he didn't show a big investment in that. And so I didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself to go and try out for the team or to do. So kind of once my, my Little League days were over, uh it, it kind of went away Um, because I didn't have the confidence to go and put myself out there or, or somebody behind me believing in me that, man, you can do this, you can try – yeah. Um, so played played baseball. Uh, I was I played tuba in high school. Dude, I, was, I didn't. Kind of I played
0: tuba all through middle school. No, you didn't. I swear. No. <laughs> I was the star, and I was literally. I mean, you guys know me. Of course, you I were the was best. the star tuba player. <laughs> like they bet they begged me to go play in high school, but I I, I was really transitioned into a big turd. In my through my high school years, so I didn't want to do anything extracurricular. Have you ever transitioned out of that or? Um, I, I'm, I'm still in and out of that phase. Yeah, in, I'm in and out. I'm hoping by my 40s I'll be fully transformed out of the. Hey, you're your getting there quick. Yeah. Getting there quick. So played tuba all through high school. That's interesting. Yeah, but I didn't I to, know we and, had that in common.
2: And then you know I had to work because I came. My mom was a single mom from the time I was 11. My parents divorced when I was in sixth grade. Dad leaves. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of responsibility that I had to, you know, if I wanted to go do things, I had to make the money to go do it. Um yeah. And so, and I, I say that, like, I never lacked anything. My mom did a great job. I, I look at her now, and I'm like, how did you, like, I have an older brother. Like, how did you pay for things? And because she didn't make much money, and I just, I'm amazed the way she was able to provide for us and provide
0: a stable home for us um, through all of that. Did you grow up in a in – a- Christian home uh was was that part of was faith part of your childhood
2: yeah I grew up in church I don't I didn't believe uh the same things I believe now I wasn't scripture wasn't a high value it was more cultural you know you go to church on Sunday because that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh you're you know but my faith really didn't become my own uh really in high school is when that kind of took hold I, I sowed my wild oats and and quickly realized that I wasn't that wasn't leading to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a, a college kid who in, took interest in me as a sophomore in high school who who saw all my crap and still pursued me and pursued a relationship with me. And that's how the Lord really entered in and, and called me to himself.
1: I didn't know that either. That that explains
2: I got a I got a lot of tricks up my sleeve, Brooke.
0: <laughs> how did how did at eleven years old it's interesting, you know, now you're you're working primarily with youth within the body of Christ how did the divorce impact you as a, as a child? And is that something that's kind of helped you now navigate what you're doing now?
2: Well, I think, and I'll I'll talk about it in a, in a sense for myself, but I think it's true uh, for everybody. What it, what it really did was it it started questions coming up inside of me of uh, like, I'll talk about like, there was this whole kind of in my heart, like the things that I thought were sure. Like I never thought my parents were going to divorce. I thought we had this great family my parents never fought in front of us, never like my brother and I were kind of blindsided by everything. Uh, and so it, it kind of was this crisis of identity of who, who am I and like, what, what do I do to live? What's, you know, what is life? Um, and so I started, you know, those questions. I remember when I was in seventh, seventh grade, 12 years old, 13 years old, I don't remember math's hard. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I had these feelings and I would dig places in my arm but I didn't, and it was not like an intentional like. Oh, I feel sad, so I'm gonna like self mutilate. But it was just like this like nervous tick mm-hmm. of just like I and I was just riddled with anxiety Damn. Um, and not didn't know what to do with all that. And then you know, I talk about sowing my wild oats in high school. You know that you know I went to counseling, got the help I needed for the anxiety that went away. But there was still this place in my heart that was like, man, I like something's missing. I don't I don't really know what this is. And so I'm gonna try and find love and acceptance in all these, these places. So whether that's you know, going to parties, whether that's girls, whether that's, you know, friends, whatever, I'm trying to fill myself up so that I can feel fully alive. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So you get yeah. to the end of that road and it's like, Dagum, here we are. Yeah. Uh, and that's where that relationship uh with, with that college kid and him just you know, loving me where I was, he, he saw like all of my crap and didn't judge me for it. And, uh, really, I mean, discipled me. And, and that's where, like, I realized like, man, the life that I'm actually seeking is it can only be found like fully in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, one of my favorite verses is John 10, 10 which is the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I may I come, let have life and have life abundantly. And that, like abundant life, actually is found in Christ. And so, you know, as I've I've grown and learned, I've gone through some different discipleship programs and all, and realizing that we we all have these these core desires inside of us, whether that's uh, to be seen, to be known, to be heard, uh, to be valued, to be respected, to be loved. Like we're all all of us are looking out at the world and asking these questions. And what the enemy, who's the deceiver. Uh, tells us is he takes those desires and he twists them, and so he's trying to get you to t- to seek things that are offering life but can never come through on giving you life, the life that like Christ is actually promising you, uh, which is abundant life um, and, and, and in that there's there's hope you know like everything's not right this side of eternity. like sin is still impacting us. the fall is still here, but like in him those deep core desires of my soul can be met and fulfilled. And one day in eternity, they will be fully realized Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. glory. And that's, that's the hope that we have.
0: Yeah. I think you, you, like that is the one, the one thing in me that you you talked about all those other desires that we Mm -hmm. have that can't be fulfilled by uh, the material things of this world, which I believe is, one hundred percent, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So I, as I've went through my life and achieved things that I thought were going to fulfill me, whether it's when I got my trident, when I graduated yeah. SEAL training, uh, when I, you know, w- when we started a business and we made this certain amount of money, when we got to all all these all these milestones, right. When you get the truck you want, when you get the bike you want, when you have find the girl the, the girlfriend that you want, all all of these big things. And it takes a while for a person to understand it don't freaking mean nothing, man. It, it it's 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 all it's all empty. But the one the one thing I think that my faith in Christ provides that that cannot be found like unquestionably cannot be found anywhere else is the hope aspect Mm -hmm. Christ gives us hope um eternal hope Uh, not only hope in this life but hope for eternity and I'm like I I, I've been milling this in my head quite a bit here lately because when I when we like when we have conversations like this on YouTube dude I can talk about any subject I can talk about politics I can talk about moral issues I can talk about any subject, and generally, the discourse is fairly civil. When we talk about faith, it gets ugly. It's weird. It strikes a nerve with people, man, like nothing else. It strikes a nerve, and I'm like, why are we not mature enough to to have a, a conversation around faith, but we can have conversations around all these other things? It's a really strange thing, but... I'm just, I see the comments and I see the people who who are just, just refuse to even hear or listen to or explore a conversation around faith. And I look at these people and the number one question I have is why are, why do you even stay around Mm -hmm. this life? Where there is no other hope in life. It's like, How do you make it through life without the hope that I that that we have here? Like this is a genuine question for you if you don't believe in in Christ. Like life is the majority of life is pain and suffering and and toil and hard work, and like, what are you here for, man? Like, And so that's the thing that faith gives to me. It gives meaning to everything in life. It gives meaning to suffering. It gives meaning to toil. It gives meaning to enduring through sickness. It gives meaning to uh, the the hard things and the trials that we have, which is the majority of life, whether you want to believe it or not, or, or accept that or not. But it's like, how do you do it? Uh, people ask me all the time like why why do you believe in Christ? Well the the technical answer is is because Christ chose me and gave me the faith and the ability to be able to believe in him and then I accepted I accepted him as my Lord and Savior right and he sustains my faith in him. but foundationally, I have to believe in, in Christ because if I don't, I have nothing. Yeah, everything is pointless. And then it's like, why am why do I even why would I even stay around at that point? You You don't even without faith, you don't even have a stance on moral issues. You have no stance on anything like literally there's nothing. And so hope is that one thing <laughs> that I'm so thankful that Christ gives us, man, out of mm-hmm. the whole laundry list of things that we seek for. To, to fulfill us the hope is the one thing that we can't find without him i'm sorry that's been on my mind a lot here lately i just had to put that out there um
1: yeah we got a couple of people we just had a super chat and it's jacks teller and thank you, jacks he said time management and then he's starting to talk about the youth and parents and kids and raising kids and like you can tell people want to venture into like that. Well, be patient subject. People. Be patient. <laughs>
0: um, so this mentor that came into your life, mm-hmm. what, at what age? Uh, I would have been 14 or 15. How did this, how did this
2: guy approach you? He just started showing up in my youth group and helping out and volunteering and just, and he would invite me over to his apartment and we would hang out and watch movies and go fishing and, I really, we just hung out, like okay. shared life together.
0: What were you, what drew you to,
2: uh, there's to some, that relationship? There, there's, there's something about, uh, an older individual, like investing in you. Like when you're in high school, when the, the cool college kid comes in and it's like, I want to be friends with him. Cause it's like, he's, he's not super old. But like he's interested in me.
1: He's still relevant. He's
2: still relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, like, and I say that is like, at the older I get, you know, I'm, gosh, I'm 31, so 13, 14 years out of high school, and the kids that I work with now, like there are things where it's like I'm like significantly older than you. I work with some middle school students, and I'm 20 years older than. That doesn't mean that I can't speak into their lives. That doesn't mean that I like have nothing to offer them, or that they're lost and and I can't do anything for them or i can't offer them hope it just means that i probably need to be a little more strategic about how i approach them because i don't have the the gravitas of oh like i'm this cool college kid now
0: yeah yeah which
2: i was never a cool college kid so let's just be clear about that (laughs) i was a, a gooby college kid
0: um
1: weren't you large and in charge in college
0: yeah big rob
1: big rob
0: so you you have this mentor that comes into your life Uh, which is, I think for all of us that, um, that are willing to share our story. Honestly, I know for me personally, like all of us at some point have a mentor that comes into our life and, and, uh, and changes the trajectory of our life. And like, for me, it was the first person to actually believe in me Mm -hmm. outside of my family members, you know, and that was Frank Cutler. Frank Cutler was the first person that I looked up to respected uh, and out, outside of my immediate family. And he just simply believed in me. And like that, that was enough. And I'm saying this because I think it's important for us to, once we get to the age that we are, to be that person intentionally for someone mm-hmm. like seek, seek, keep your eye out. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not complex you don't have to be a, a, a psychiatrist, just show interest in this younger individual and um, believe, and just be the person that believes in them, whatever it is that they, they're trying to achieve. That for me was a game changer, man. At, at what point did you say, okay, I'm going to fully turn my life over to Christ and I'm going to dedicate my the rest of my professional life to serving within the body of Christ because that's uh-huh. that's a big step,
1: and it's a sacrifice because you know it's a huge sacrifice. You know, in most work, I can't think of any work unless you work for some crooked mega church where you're going to get rich doing that. Oh, it's, I'm in it for the money. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like you're choosing because Rob, you're really good with people. You're highly motivated. You're super disciplined. Like, to be real, you could go out and make six figures easy with your personality and your drive. So it is a sacrifice for you to I choose agree. the route that you've chosen. I mean.
2: Well, I mean, a lot of that for me, though, is, is calling. Like, I believe that God has wired me in such a way and given me certain gifts that he, like, this is the life that he's called me to. Um, unfortunately— and I don't want to bash uh, my other brothers in ministry when I say this. A lot of people treat what I do as a stepping stone, as yeah. it's, as it's the entry level job to the to be a, a senior pastor or to move up in mm-hmm. in the ranks. And I, my heart is not that. Like when I'm 65, I want to be doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Oh, awesome. And cool. I have zero desire uh, to do anything else. I mm-hmm. mean, God can change my heart in that. I'm I'm you know receptive to that, but you know, recently, even like the the particular place that I'm at and being here in Rome doing what I'm doing, you know, I've had several friends that have have changed jobs recently in ministry, going to different churches, moving different cities. And it kind of made me question, like, am I like, do I need to start looking, am I doing something wrong? Because I'm like very happy where I am not comfortable in the sense of like, oh, I never want to do anything or I'm not open to change, but, but. Com, not content not complacent content's the word i'm looking for yeah
0: you know you feel like you're operating within your purpose yeah and and yeah. i feel
2: like God has put me in this particular
0: place at this particular time for a very particular purpose um so when did you going back to the yeah. question when did you sense that calling and and decide to i to do that so honestly even before uh like i remember
2: being a little kid sitting in church being like i'm gonna i want to work here one day like mm. this is what I want to do Um, and, and that very, just kind of knew this is what my life was going to be eventually. Um, and just through, um, like different mentors, talking to different people, figuring out like what I am passionate about and that then in realizing like, not just that like I'm good at something, but that I like feel passionately about it and like feel very strongly that God has called me to this. Like, this is, this is the mission that I have been given. Um, and so I don't remember a very particular moment where it's like, Oh, like I'm, I'm choosing this. It just kind of always was, this is like, I feel like God has wired me that way that like, this is what like I'm meant to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've worked other jobs, I've done other things. And, um, you know, Abby and I talk about, like how like I come home sometimes and all the other jobs I've worked, all the other things I've done. She said, you would come home miserable. Like you hated your job. You hated what you were doing. There was no purpose to it for you. And now, and what I'm doing, she's like, I mean, she wishes I was home more cause my like, weird hours, but she, you know, I've, she says like, I'm a different person because I like, I'm doing what I'm made to do. And, and, I just said, like, I can't point to a particular moment where it was like, oh, you know, August 18th. I knew, yeah, yeah. Like, but it's just kind of
0: always there. Now, going, starting college and going through college, both in Barry and up in Chattanooga, was, has, has your focus always been youth? Has your desire always been to work with youth? Yeah.
2: Um, so... I didn't go to college in Chattanooga. I went to ABAC, which is an oh, ag for school real? in South Georgia. Who, oh, yeah. What
0: were you doing up in Chattanooga then? That's where Abby's from. Okay. All right. Sorry. I know so, there's a college up there. Yeah. 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 Covenant College yeah, is up there. Covenant, but we yeah. And
2: we lived up on Lookout Mountain, but we were there for four years uh, just working. I was working for the church, just not, not doing youth ministry, just working, um, which was a great experience just to know kind of a, how a church works and the inner workings of things. But um yeah uh i don't even remember what your question was
0: i was i was asking was it always your desire to work with you
2: yeah so uh in college i volunteered with a ministry called young life which is an outreach ministry to high school kids i actually had the opportunity back in tifton to work with middle school students and uh you know did what's called wildlife there helped start a new ministry there and then when i transferred to barry was able to start a new ministry at a high school here um which a lot of uh, the things that I'm passionate about and and the way that we uh, can engage and reach out to a younger generation actually is rooted in those formational years as I'm learning like, Hey, what does it look like to show up in somebody's life? What does it look like to pursue a younger kid uh, and and to offer hope? Um, So a lot of like what I learned there kinda of launched me into like this really is what I'm passionate about. You know, if you would have asked me when I was in college, like I was gonna go on staff of the young life, that's what I was gonna do. And I had a had a mentor tell me, and it was really really thankful that he did this, uh, but he sat me down and he said, Not yet. And I was like, this was my, my plan. I was gonna do this. This is what I thought my life was for. And he said, Not yet. And which led me to a little bit of a crisis of like, oh well what do I do now? Um so you know, worked jobs and did different things and and through God's grace, you know, he had a he's writing a better story than anything I could have imagined for myself.
0: Why do you think that mentor said not yet? Well, you...
2: I think he knew. I don't know. I think we need people in our lives that know us better than we do. Okay. And can see our like our skill sets, see our gifting, see the way uh that we like the way we are actually are. Yeah.
1: And our faults and our faults, and how those are going to play into our decisions
2: and to give us an honest assessment and
0: outside perspective. Yeah. yeah. And
2: I'm sure that's not an easy thing to tell somebody that like, Hey, actually, I know you want to do this, but I don't think, I don't think you need to do this yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm super thankful for that. So you work these other jobs kind of in the meantime, when does the opportunity with, um, the congregation here in Rome, Seven Hills. When when does that that pops up? And you're living up in Chattanooga. How do you hear about that? What I was so uh,
2: spending a lot of my time volunteering with our church's youth group,
0: uh, discipling. I led a discipleship group um, and new like. And this I, is all. This is all. You're just in volunteer. your volunteer your spare time. You're, right. You're getting after it.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, and and new that I, like I was, uh, I'd started, so I started seminary right after I graduated college, wasn't ready for grad school, just burned out on school and, and God's providence. That's when Abby and I started dating, get married, moved to Chattanooga. So it all worked out great. Um, and I'd started school back again, uh, and knew that like, this is the direction that my life, like God was calling me to this and had an opportunity at a, a different church in a different place. Um, and neither Abby nor I like felt good about it. And the context around that is, is she's, she's pregnant at this point, you know, our family's growing. So the decision to move from right by her parents to any, to anywhere was a big decision. Um, and then, you know, we ended up saying no to that opportunity. Uh, and then, you know, I was just checking a job board and then saw seven Hills and that's where, there. that's where we worship in college. And it's, it's been a home, home spot for us for a long time. Gotcha. Uh, and so we, uh, you know, I just, I call, I remember calling her. I said, Hey honey, like, what do you, what do you think about moving back to Rome? And that's when she said, like, that's, that's the one place you could tell me right now that I would, I would go. Um, so applied and went through the interview process and we moved with a three month old which I don't recommend, but it was, it was also uh, a February of 2020 when we moved. So right before COVID and the world shut down.
0: Oh, lovely. Well, this is, uh, this is kind of the point that I want to get into the, the meat of kind of giving some tactics to the listeners and also giving some, some insight to me personally on uh, a couple different topics the the mainly the challenges that you see youth in America today the major challenges that they're faced with and then how to navigate the the presentation of the gospel to youth specifically um if there's any formula for that it it's it's like you're showing now. You're you're get, You're moving to Rome, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You're in a in this brand new community, uh, and you're tasked with working with the youth here in Rome, mm-hmm. both inside and outside of the congregation. I assume mm-hmm. nobody knows you. You don't. The, these kids don't know you. You're stepping into this place, and you have no rapport with anyone. You have. Uh, you know, you, you don't have a reputation around town. You're brand new to the... Well, I, I did a little bit. E- even so, with the
2: kids? Yeah, well,
0: well, parents in particular. Okay. So they
2: some of the parents and families remember me from when I was a young life leader here. Okay. So I, I still had some connections here. So it wasn't completely like moving to a completely blank slate new place. Yep. Uh, but there was, I mean, a lot of families that I didn't know. So where do you start? Where do I start? Like, how do I start building this ship? Yeah. Uh, you, it's all about relationships. Uh, and so which I don't think people necessarily like to hear, Mm-mm. but it, I don't like to hear that. Well, Chad, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here, buddy.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes. I know you are. This whole conversation is going to challenge me because I traditionally don't like youth.
1: Look, Rob, that's why I've been like over here, kind of like ready to move into this conversation because I was afraid he would avoid it. Ah, uh, because I knew that it would be a, It's not a topic that he's super passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that. But you did good, boo. You moved it along really well.
2: Yeah, you get props when you need them.
0: Sorry she's just sidetracked you.
2: (laughs) It's okay. Uh. Uh, So from the very foundation of the world, Genesis 1, when God creates man, he makes woman with him. So Genesis 2, we read that Adam goes through and names all the animals, and he says, but where's my helper? Like, where's my person? I'm alone. He's in complete and total communion with God. Perfectly. Sin hasn't entered the picture yet and yet still looks around and says, but where's my mate? And so God being gracious makes woman to be a helper suitable for Adam so that he had a mate. And because in God's very own character, because what Genesis tells us is that we're created in the image of God and you know, in, in the Trinity, you have God in perfect relationship with himself. So the father, the son, and the Holy spirit are all one being one, but they're in three persons. And so the three persons of God are all in perfect relationship with each other. And because we're created in that image, we too are created for relationships. So you, you start talking about like, how do I start, you know, building a ministry here is that I've got to start building relationships. Mm. I can't go and and just start you know talking to people of, about Jesus. If I don't know anything about their lives, mm. I've got to like take the time to get to know people, to invest in them, to show. Like I think there's a Truitt Kathy quote, um, which I really don't I don't like, but I, I can't get around this one. It's like nobody uh, cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, you know I talked about young life and serving as a leader. One of the things I learned there is that you've got to earn the right to be heard, and so. I I can't go and just, you know, use my platform and, and just, you know, talk, 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 because it's going to fall on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. But if I've spent the time to invest in, to develop relationships, to show up to things that let's be honest, it's weird. If I go to a dance recital, it really is. I'm the weird 30 year old dude sitting in the back because I've got six (laughs) girls dancing in this thing. And it's something I just need to show up to. I don't necessarily love going to cross country meets. I hate running. And, but yet that's important to them. That's a huge thing in their life. These are the
1: kids in your youth. These are the kids
2: in my youth group. Yeah. And so it's things like that, or it's it's showing up and showing that like, Hey, I care about you enough to show up and I care about you enough to talk to you like you're a person. Yeah. Because you are. I think that's where we go wrong. A lot of times is we don't treat kids like they're people when they are, they have, the same core desires that I mentioned earlier, like they want to be seen. They want to be known. They want to be heard. They want to be loved. They want to be valued. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times older people don't know what to do with that. And so I I mentioned to Brooke, we were talking at the gym earlier and I, I I brought up uh, like if you were going to go and be a missionary in China, you wouldn't go in and just have, like all your American preconceptions of what the world should be and try to like plop that down in China. It wouldn't work, right? You have to study the culture. You've got to know the people that you're working with. Yeah, You've got to invest in their lives. And then once you've, I call it, it's relational capital. I've got to make deposits and make deposits and make deposits in that account. So that when it's time for me to make a withdrawal, there's, there's capital there for me to withdraw from mm-hmm. so that I can either challenge you on something and have a hard conversation. I can call you into to leadership or to something higher. Like, it's not just a, you need to do this, buck up. It's, you know how much I care about you. You know that I love you and that I want what's best for you, and that I care about you and that I've shown up in your life and I've been consistent. And from that bank, I can then start to make withdrawals.
1: And mm-hmm. you can start to, to talk about Jesus. Yeah. I mean, don't you think there has to be capital in that bank, like you said, for the trust mm-hmm. to... I mean, you can't just go around preaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Yeah. Which uh,
2: I want to be... I mean, there's a place in the kingdom for that. Like, I just don't know of many people that have been converted through street preaching on the street corner. And not saying it doesn't happen, the Holy Spirit doesn't move that way. Yeah. But I just really believe that it, it's like we in our core created for relationships.
0: You know, it's interesting to me that you, that that last comment that you made, I don't know many people that have been uh, or have accepted Christ because of a street preacher or something like that. And one thing that I love about 307 Project is it, it is, it is in a, in a sort of way, a ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't put labels on it, but it functions that way in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And I have gotten over the years, I would say hundreds of messages and emails and communication from people that say, man, I gave my life to Christ because of, uh, you know, something you guys talked about or, or something like that. And The interesting thing about the podcast in particular, this is like episode 301 or two, something like that. This has been a four-year journey, and the reason that we are able to impact anyone is because we've stayed with it, and the people that tune into the show actually know us, Mm -hmm. like we have a you know in a strange way not on the depth you're talking about where I'm going to your your football game or your cross country meet but right. we have a relationship with our viewers and that way we're able we we have mutual trust because we've shown up for four plus years they've done the same thing right and we've built this kind of weird relationship and I think that is just how what you're saying has, in a ha, is in a way reflected in my experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, think with about the, we the
2: the podcast you listen to or the things you, you like, the media you consume regularly. Like you feel like you have a relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the ones that I listen to regularly, it's like, oh, my my buddy's on again. I, yeah. don't, I don't know this person.
0: Yep. But the but p- like
2: I've got I've got my buddy. They're like, I'm gonna listen to him because I'm like. He's an authority and like he's shown up.
1: Yes. Consistently. That's the part that that's the
0: part, man, is when I, when I personally think about the word relationship, it definitely turns me off um, because I, I tend to overcomplicate what that even means. Mm -hmm. And it's like the whole foundation of it is just showing up consistently. Mm hmm. And that's why I think we have a good relationship with our listeners because it's like we show up every Wednesday <coughs> and we spend this time. Well, and,
1: and we're very unfiltered with our lives and we're very <coughs> we're very it's definitely one-sided. We don't personally invest in our listeners hardly at all, but we give up a lot of our lives to uh, for me I think it helps make it more real for them.
0: But but if you're but if you're inconsistent and you just show up when it works for you or when you feel like it. I would say that's detrimental yeah. to, the, to the, the formation of this relational aspect that is absolutely essential to have an impact, a positive impact on someone, right? Or to challenge them on something or to call them to something higher, just like you were saying earlier. Well, yeah.
1: Can I, can I tell a story really quick? Yeah. Um, I feel like you're irritated with me today.
0: Not at all, my beautiful biscuit. Your immaculate lover is so happy to be here. <laughs> you,
1: keep, you keep, every time I talk, you like turn your eyes, cut your eyes. This, the other day I, at the gym, me and Rob, we actually go work out every day. And so we talk a lot after the workout. And I was telling him, I work with a good many young people. And there's a couple of them that I've noticed over the years that I really have trouble motivating them to do simple tasks. And the other day, the simple task was really simple. And I had multiple solutions. I had multiple resources. And this individual kept saying, I'm just not comfortable. I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm sorry. I've never done it before. I'm just not comfortable. And I was telling Rob and I was like pissed. I mean, I was mad, frustrated, like how these youth these days, they're incapable and it's just just a simple task and she can't. And like, and Rob gently kind of challenged me to like, what I heard from you was like, well, how much have you invested in her? Like your capital, like, Mm -hmm. have you built a relationship with her? And I, my response to you, I wanted to get defensive and be like, I don't have to. It's a professional relationship. She works for me. I shouldn't have to invest in her. Like she should show up and want to work hard end of story period and then you kind of elaborated a little further and i was like yeah he's right like when i was young and i was working for people if they showed zero interest in me naturally i'm not gonna want to work hard for them especially in college or high school when you're not in a career you're in a job that you know is temporary And you know it's not like working super hard is not necessarily going to gain you a bunch of money down the road. It's just a means to an end. And so I went back to my job and I invested in this person. I like went up while they were on the clock and was like, I actually took your advice. I was like, so how's school going? How long have you and your boyfriend been together? Like, and I didn't go like super into depth. I just kind of cut the surface of like her life and what she struggles with and what's going well. And the, the last week and a half, she's been different. She's been different. Like our communication is different. Her performance is different. And it literally was 15 minutes of my time. And I was so guarded with my time of like what I told you, that high and mighty, like she works for me. I'm paying her good money. I shouldn't have to like get personal. But it's like it, it helped. I benefited from it.
2: Yeah. And in that situation, I remember thinking this this girl is scared of failing. Yeah. Like she's scared of doing this wrong. And she doesn't feel, I mean, I'm going to use counseling words. And I usually don't like counseling words, but sorry. The, she didn't feel safe. Like, there needed to be a, a, some trust built for her to feel safe to try something she's not comfortable with, to, to like, feel safe to fail and know that, like, my job's not in jeopardy because I, I mess something up. Yeah. Because we all screw things up at work. Like, well, I said at the beginning, my, my life really is a comedy of errors. Like, I mess all kinds of things up. Mm-hmm. But the thing I love, like, about where I work in particular is – that I know that the two men that I work for love me and care about me, mm. that that's, that I matter that I'm valued and they invest in me, which gives me the freedom to fail. Not to new things wrong intentionally, not to, to not do well. This isn't an excuse not to try not to work hard, but uh, the best way to learn is through failure. Like uh, I had a professor one time say that we need to learn to fail forward uh, that, that the only way to really learn is through trial and error, throw things at the wall, what sticks.
0: Yeah, failure Failure is a absolutely necessary ingredient for any sort of growth or learning or progress. Right, and the things yeah. that
2: make the good things in life really great is the adversity that we had to go through in order to get there. Yeah. You know, climbing up a mountain is really hard, but when you get to the view, when you've worked to get there, you, like behold that view and it's beautiful and you love it because you worked for it. But if you just drive up the hill to go to the view, like, Oh, it's pretty, but like there's not the capital spent there. You didn't sweat equity into that. You didn't try anything. You just drove your car up there and it's not as breathtaking because you didn't take the whole journey to get there. Uh, but, and then that situation, I really think like it's, it's a, allowing somebody to trust you to know that you care that you're not you're, they're not just a, a, a tool or capital to be spent, but they're a person that matters. And just, you know, those little just tiny investments in them asking like, hey, how, how was your day today? How was school? Are things going well? Like, how's your how's your relationship with your boyfriend? How's how's your girlfriend doing? Like, those are all really matter because it shows people like this person doesn't view me just as a worker, but they view me as as a person. And that's, what I think, what we're all looking for. They feel seen in the, like, smallest of ways. Mm-hmm. But even I think that's just a testimony of just, like, when you care about somebody, then they feel free to be a better person, to be a better worker. They feel comfortable to to try and to fail. Try,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah. Um. Now, I have to ask you on a personal note, because this, uh, I, I understand the logic of this relational aspect Mm -hmm. um, with youth, but with all people in general and showing up, but is it, does it ever, I mean, does it ever, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I feel like if you, I feel like if, if you decide to make this, you're making the upfront investment in this person Mm -hmm. um does that ever leave you feeling empty because you're giving so much and you're making so many deposits and intentional investments into all of these other individuals and how do you combat that so i'm a
2: i'm a firm believer in a ministry of overflow so i have to be rooted in who i am and in my identity Which means that I have to be abiding in Christ for my life to be overflowing with love and care for people. I can't in my own strength, if I'm not spending time with the Lord, if I'm not building my own tank up, filling my own tank up to then go pour out, like I've got nothing. So even Jesus, you look at his life and his ministry, he sought time to, to get away from the crowd, to get away and to be by himself with the father and and like this this rhythm of sabbath of rest is so important like we can't just spend our lives giving 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 because at the end of the day we're left empty and broken mm-hmm. and burnout and ready to quit i think that can be taken too far to the sense of like the the again self care and people i think use self care as an excuse to be selfish
0: yeah yeah Probably but, me a lot of times.
2: Well, you're you're a big self care guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that about you. I just call
2: it hermitism. But that we we do we use excuses where I just got to care for myself, and and we use that as an excuse to not do anything. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. laziness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh. So that's the the extreme end of that. But I do think we have to take time and space and and, and rhythms that are daily, weekly, monthly yearly to pull away well what does that look like
0: for you i mean i'm I'm not day to day
2: i'm I'm not absolutely great at it i mean there's different seasons of life where you know i used to do wake up at 5 a.m every morning and have a two hour quiet time then go to work and do like but i've got a three-year-old at home i work a pretty demanding job my schedule's full i'm in school like i don't have time to To do a two hour quiet time and sleep and be a, like a functioning human being. And work out. And work out. Well, that's the most important thing in life, right? <laughs> yes. But honestly, that, that is a, the reason I work out so much is that I show up better in my day-to-day life when I've done something for me, where it's, it might be a little selfish to my family sometimes, but like that's a time that I've guarded where it's like, all right, I'm gonna go to the gym for an hour today, an hour a day. I'm going to be there. And the thing that I love about that space is it's a place where I don't have to be on Mm -hmm. because part of my job is public facing. So not that I have to like cover up all my faults and, and, you know, but, but I'm able to be kind of real in myself and be, because I do work with kids. There's a space where I can be like, be a kid myself and joke around and, and not have to be the authority or be the adult in the room at all times. So that's one way that I give myself that space. But It's spending time uh, daily in the word because that's, I mean, the bread of life It's right here. I agree. There's a meal that we're offered every day that that's the sustenance that we need. Like God's words is his love story to his people. And he like, he has given us the gift of himself and it's right here in this book. So that's a huge part of it. Uh, It's, it's uh, developing a prayer life. And, and, you know, I don't, you know, I respect people that take the time and, you know, have a prayer closet and like my prayers are usually while I'm driving down the road. Yeah. Cause I got time to think and dwell. Um, but I really think a lot of it in terms of caring for yourself is giving yourself the time to slow down, to pause, whether that's, Hey, maybe I'm going to drive quietly instead of having my favorite podcast on, maybe I'm going to turn the music off for a minute and just be, because i think in our society we're so bombarded with stuff all the time where it's yeah. you, know, you got to be listening to that, you got to be doing this, you got to be watching that, you got like it's just overwhelming how much we're demanded to consume excuse me to be like knowledgeable or to be a part of things
0: cuz there's a bottomless pit of things to consume
2: oh i can you know pull my phone out right now and there's a lifetime already worth yeah. of content that i could not get through all of it in the rest of my
0: life I think this is a a really good tip for the listeners. I actually applied this yesterday. I was um I was out on a run, and I had a podcast playing on the run. I get halfway through my run, and I'm like, you know what? I need to turn this off, and just utilize the the rest of this time in silence. Mm-hmm. And it works, man. It works. You come out. I came out the other end of that run with a lot of clarity on things that I've been wanting to have clarity on. And I would not have came out of that run with that clarity if I would have left that podcast playing. Yeah. Really, really good
2: thing to consider. Well, and one of the things, like, in, you know, talk about the Word, and this is God's Word, and He is living and active. Like, this, this book is... Sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen to that, Like, it is words of life. And so, you know, a lot of people come like, I just, I read it and it didn't do anything to me. Didn't do anything for me. But like, I guarantee you that God is showing up in those places. It might be a small, still whisper. And you just have to turn the noise down so that you can actually listen. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But we're so bombarded, so much going on, that I don't think we give ourselves the space to be quiet, Man. and to be still, and confession—so important. I am not great at this. Like this is uh, something that I'm growing in. That I'm yep. trying. I'm trying to develop disciplines
0: and habits in my life. Where the I beginning the space. The beginning of this process is being conscious of it. Right. Like being conscious of it.
1: Like, I'm terrible at this too.
0: Yeah, you. I, yeah, you're right, Babu. It's hard. Yeah. I, I would say I'm pretty decent at it. You I, are. I. I, I, well, I as, a, as a hermit, you should. be. Yeah, I still. <laughs> I still have my two-hour silence in the morning where I don't consume anything, you yeah. know. Uh, and, but but on my run yesterday, it's just interesting that you said that because I actually applied it yesterday mm-hmm. on the run and it provided a lot of clarity. So it was just a striking example. I, I want to get into the conversation because you are connected much more so than I am with uh with younger people and i want to get into the conversation around what are the major issues that you see you that youth face today and and are they are, are there unique issues there's got to be with with technology there's got to be unique and issues and covid yeah and, yeah totally man um i, I want to hear about those just for my own personal understanding, when, when I'm when I'm around younger people, yeah. because you're connected with this man.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, man, there's there's a lot there, and it could be a six hour podcast about. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. Uh, That's why you should have your own podcast.
2: Well, nobody yeah. wants to hear my voice that long. The first, I would say, um, you know, the, we do live in a hyper connected world, where. Kids are, you know, I watch students this morning at 630 at Chick-fil-A, there for Bible study on their phones, checking all their Snapchats.
0: That is so unhealthy for our
2: brain. Right. And and to understand that, you know, I said we need to, earlier, I said we need to treat kids like people because they are people. Yeah. But I think we need to treat kids like they're kids because they are kids. Mm. They're people, but they're not fully developed humans. Mm-hmm. Their brains are still about the, the male Prefrontal cortex, which is where your decision making faculties are, is not fully developed until you're at least 25.
1: You mean like 36?
2: Or 36. <laughs> In some cases. <laughs> I mean, I always knew he was a little slow, but <laughs> the but so when I when I say all this, you know, treat kids like they're people because they are people, but they're still kids, is that one of the big challenges that I see, and this is an overarching thing, is that we are rushing through childhood. We have, uh, we're expecting kids to perform. They're like, I have students that talk about needing their resumes to be up to snuff so they can get into the right college. They've got to take 12 AP classes. They've got to do all these things. What's this, what
1: are age frame, frame range? Uh,
2: mm-hmm. So sorry. Uh, I, I work with sixth grade to 12th grade. Okay. Um. So that'd be 10 and 11 to 18. Okay,
1: sorry to interrupt you. No,
2: it's okay. Um. So they're, they're, in this life of I've got to perform, I've got to do more, I've got to build my resume. Otherwise, my life is going to fall apart. And I'm, like, as a 31-year-old looking back at my high school career who took zero AP classes and didn't try that hard in school, right? Uh, that, like, I'm like, I mean, I've got a college degree. Yeah. I'm doing what I want to do. Like, maybe I don't make a ton of money, but, like, I'm pretty satisfied with my life. I've got a family that I love and a wife that loves me. We have a house like my needs are met. Um, and so like there's this pressure, constant pressure to perform. And, they, you know, there's um, a pressure to do all things, too, where it's like I've got to be in this club and I've got to volunteer at this organization. I've got to do all these things. And there's then you lay, layer on top of that, uh, I think, travel sports um, and be careful not to, to bash them too much but I think we uh, love bashing sports. Uh, I'm a, department. I'm a sports lover. Uh, you have your truck, the idol. I have Georgia football, the idol and the Braves um, and the Braves. Oh, gosh. Uh, those are my two favorite idols. Um, but like, there's a lot that families in particular. Uh, I, so my boss BP, uh, one of his monikers that a lot of like parenting is caught, not taught. So it's not the things that you're telling your kids. It's the same things that you're showing your kids. And so by, you know, spending the weekends traveling to go play soccer or baseball or basketball somewhere, and you're saying, well, church doesn't matter, but this does. So we're going to choose this over this. You might explicitly say like, no, your faith matters that you need to be in church. But what are you actually modeling is that soccer matters more that baseball matters more basketball matters more than any of that Mm -hmm. um but even in these travel organizations the the level of pressure to perform to succeed you know kids like even in sports kids aren't allowed just to be kids and to play a game Mm -mm. and to enjoy it it's we're professionalizing amateur sports Mm -hmm. uh into a point where it's like i've got kids like i don't even want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. like it's not fun Mm -hmm. it's a job
1: We have a mutual friend whose daughter just started volleyball this year. And she was telling me some of the details about like how the coaches interact and the way that they speak to the kids. And this is like not a crazy traveling all-star team. This is like regular. And I was just like blown away. I was like, why? Why? Like... I understand like the pressure, some pressure is a good thing. That's why you put kids, right? Like, so they can learn, but like, they were just mean. Mm -hmm. I mean, like mean and hateful and putting the kids down and talking bad about them in front of their teammates and just like, what?
2: Yeah. I was talking to that girl last night about that. Oh, really? And it was like, it's, it makes me sad. Yeah. It's like, this is something that should be fun and enjoyable, uh, but we've taken the play out of the things that should be play. Like, we all, like, part of being a human is being able to play. Like, we need to have things that are fun, that are just, just for the pure joy of doing those things.
0: So that, that's a great example of my childhood. And that this, it's really interesting to think how this is something unique and how this is something that has changed over the last two decades for children uh, because I felt no pressure in my childhood I was not rushed. I was a kid, man. I rode skateboards around the neighborhood and bicycles and played stick wars in the woods and played played baseball, but like there was never any talk of you got to you got to get really good at this so that you can one day get a scholarship or play in the MLB or whatever. Like there was never ever ever even a conversation about that. It was out there purely for the sake of learning teamwork, camaraderie, having fun, uh, learning how to be a good competitor, um, those types of things, but but not with the notion of we're doing this as a means to get you here. No, it was for the sake of the, of the game and what the game produces and teaches you and helps you learn and, and helps you develop. So, what do you think has created this rushing through childhood this is it is it because comparison has become so much more prevalent through social media or, or what's what's causing this that's a great question I think that's part of it
2: uh, one of my favorite quotes and I cannot remember who said it is that comparison is the thief of joy yeah um but the I think. Uh, Off the top of my head. So this is zero authority. This is just me pontificating. That's Um, what the
0: podcast is all about.
2: Is that (laughs) I like, I think that a lot of it is, is the comparison game. And, and I think some of it is people, parents in particular looking back on their own decisions and wishing they had done things differently. And so then you start to vicariously live through your own children Mm. and that you're putting your hopes, dreams, and desires on top of their own. Mm -hmm. Instead of cultivating, like, uh, you know, I talked about my dad never really invested in me, like loving baseball. And like, he wanted me to do what he was interested in. And so I think there's this notion of like, you have to be like, if you're, if you're not doing it just for uh, an advancement in a career or advancement to you can get a college scholarship or you gotta make the high school team so that you're somebody. Like there's just zero like joy in that. Yeah. And I, I think it is comparison. It's it's the that like everything has to have a purpose that is tangible or financial of just like if this you can't do things just just for fun.
0: I was actually talking about this with the team. Uh we just ran an alpine mission a couple of weeks ago. A team of adults mm-hmm. and every member of this team were highly, highly successful, multi, most of the multi, multi multi-millionaire, multiple business owner uh, type of people. And one of the conversations that we sat down and had, uh, they were discussing how every step of their life, if there's ever any free time, they're always looking for the next thing that they can improve. How can they improve their, in good things, their marriage? How can they improve their, their, uh, their, their children's lives? How can they improve their business? All this, all this, all this. And, and I just, I, I spoke up and said something. And I said, um, I said, you know, don't forget that you have to also have time to like pl- play and rest Mm -hmm. like what we've forgotten that as a society and you you talk about the parents impact on on the children and if the parents are in the mindset of these ultra successful people that i get to work with through these missions of like every moment has to be filled with something that's purposeful well we look out in nature you look I, i made a comment the other day on a youtube video i said i can learn more from watching an animal than watching an unregenerate human being I can. I can learn more about how to live a happy life through watching an animal than I can learn about living a happy life through human philosophy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's interesting because if you watch an animal when their needs are met and they have this time, usually it's in the middle of the day, what do they do? They rest. They recuperate. They play. They enjoy that time. Instead of saying, ah, oh, no, I got to go hoard up a few more acorns. You know, it's like they know when it's time to work, they work. Mm-hmm. They recognize their needs, but when their needs are met, they make place for play and for rest and recuperation and restoration. We've lost that, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, big time.
1: But to me, that's where your be hard when it gets hard kind of came from. <sighs> yeah. It was, you, were, you were saying that,
0: mm-hmm. but... I, I wanted to hit one more yeah, thing on ahead. the comparison in boo-boo before you move on.
1: I wasn't moving on. But oh, ahead.
0: okay. My bad. And, and the comparison <laughs> thing too, I, and, and how that plays into feeling like these students feel, or are these, I say students, these younger people feel like they have to be involved. They have to do, they have to hit all these certain wickets, right? Because they can now compare themselves to an infinite number of people. Uh, when I, when we grew up, you could, if you, if you <laughs> compared yourself to anyone, it was like the five kids in your neighborhood, right? Like what was, what was so, uh, Joey down the street, how was he doing in baseball? Like, right. And if you were doing better than him, like man, like better than him. Yeah. you were good, <laughs> but now they have access to comparing themselves to an infinite Amount of people who are projecting a false image as it is. Well, and I think you see that's that detrimental.
2: Like, uh, you know, um, body image issues are a huge deal, uh, and and I think you talk about social media being. I think that's been such a detriment to not just girls but but boys too, as they look on Instagram and they see you know the sculpted, uh, edited, smoothed out skin the the rippling muscles guys that look like me yeah well you know you're a you're a bodybuilder over there um they 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 see that and they think i to to be loved to be accepted to be worth anything i have to look like that and i don't look like that so there must be something wrong with me
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and it's and it's super toxic, and and I think it's the natural way we look at things is we look instead of being uh, complacent and and not, or um, content. I keep on saying complacent, and I don't mean that. Content with the 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 deck we've been dealt. Like we and are always like looking at like oh, I want to I want to look like that, and I do this. I see guys on Instagram that can do things I can't do that that look away that I wish I looked. And like, man, if I could just work that much harder, if I could just do that much more, if I just put that much more time at the gym, then I can look like that too. When the the reality is, is A, you know, the hand they've been dealt is they might be just genetic beast and I can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not. B, that's probably been edited and filtered and made to look a certain way to portray a certain image
0: or or it's a, or it's a lifetime of work. It's what they've dedicated their lives to and right. your life hasn't been that. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. No. You know? No, I mean it's
2: and it's a, but I think that's a very toxic thing to get into yeah. to use more counseling words um, that I that I hate. The <laughs> but the like that mindset though and then you start to spiral and you lose sight of who you are of where your value actually comes from. And you start to look out and to say,
0: I don't measure up. man." then you're just drifting. Mm -hmm. Then you're just drifting, son.
1: Well, there's a natural, like, I know my experience and, and I love what you guys said. I've never thought about the comparison specifically with social media that you're boo. I mean, what you said was that, that was what I said, thought as soon as you started with your thought was like, who did I compare myself to? And it was the small group of kids like within my school. And in my neighborhood. Yeah. And I couldn't, I could compare in like magazines and stuff, but that wasn't, I didn't have a magazine that had a thousand women that I could look at in 30 seconds, yeah. you know, all in a category, but girls and boys naturally at the ages you're working with, like you said, those core needs to fit in and belong. And then the body dysmorphia is just a thing. Everybody goes through. Like I went through it in middle school really bad and
0: I wouldn't say everybody I don't think I went through it
1: I can't imagine yeah (laughs) there's always an outlier oh my gosh I can't imagine looking at some of the chicks that are on Instagram like you're saying right now and and but what does that do like how does that change them in like the ways that like makes their culture different than like our generation
2: well, I think the the big difference is, you've already said it, is that it's it's right there at your fingertips at all times. I can't, you know, I can pull my phone up right now and, you know, scroll, 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 and, you know, the, the most beautiful people in the world are right there.
1: Do you think they're less confident as a whole, as a culture?
2: Yes. Absolutely. I see that. I
0: see that totally.
1: How? But then
2: you layer that on top of this success idea and that I've got to have the resume. Mm. And now you've got a one-two punch of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I yeah. don't measure up. And it just, I mean, that that cycle is just perpetuating. When, to, to bring faith back into this, like what does, the gospel says that, that God rejoices over you. Like when you are brought into his kingdom, he looks at you and says that you are beautiful and you are loved and you are valued. He values you so much. That like he took on the payment for your sin so the wages of sin is death like in his perfect character like he is perfectly just poured out justice on himself to be with his people because he so loves us not the the sculpted uh instagram filtered resume built any of that like he doesn't care he cares about you yeah and that's, and that's the identity he's given you. Like, if you put your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden, your identity is no longer in the things of this world. It is no longer in what everybody else says matters. It, the only thing that matters is what your creator says about you. He's dad. He has the final say. Mm. And he says that you are beloved. And it's with all the muck, all the sin, all the dirt, all the shame, all of it, he looks at you and doesn't see that. Because in Jesus, you get Christ's righteousness, his beauty cloaked over you, where you get to not be seen as dirty and sinful and shameful and not good enough anymore. Yeah. But he looks at you and says, you are enough. And I desire you. Mm. Not what you do, not what you bring to the table, but you.
0: That's the whole concept of, of um, dying. A second death. It's interesting when Jesus brought that out, and he he in Scripture when you read and Jesus is talking about you have to die mm-hmm. to be alive. It confused everyone. What a radical principle! What a radical thought! Is like when you accept Christ, you literally the old the old has passed away in the new. Literally dies and you arise. As a new creation in victory, um, yeah, man, that's that's a it's it's such a it's such a radical thing that I don't know that any human could have. There's so many so many radical things in the Bible that I'm like, if if this was compiled by a human being, nobody would write that. It makes zero sense. Nobody would come up with that, man. And, and and the people that Jesus is telling this to, they think he they think he's insane because it's so far outside the boundaries of what the human mind can even comprehend. Like, no, you're literally going to die, right?
2: To well, yourself. Well, and even the things you know, Matthew chapter five is the Sermon on the Mount, and the things that Jesus brings up there, as he says, "Blessed are the meek, for yeah. they shall inherit the earth." Like things like that where there's this upside down reverse economy <laughs> in God's kingdom where the weak are the ones who are made strong. Yep. But in and in, in like Jesus's own life is marked by that because he is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And instead of so Philippians chapter 2 there's this hymn that Paul writes where he talks about and um that Jesus being in the very nature God did not account equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself to point to the point of death even death on a cross so that at the name of jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess and i'm mixing up all the words now because i'm going off the top of my head yeah i know the
0: the verses you're talking about but
2: like the, the point being that like jesus had full authority he had the all the strength of god he had the power of god in him
0: he's literally holding everything that is together Exactly. Yeah.
2: And yet does not use, like he comes and it doesn't like use his power. I told kids this morning, we were talking about selflessness and, and serving others. And what are opportunities to be selfless in your life, in your own, you know, as you're walking through the halls of your school or you're fighting with your brother or your sister, like what, what are some opportunities to be selfless? And I was just confess, like, if I was Jesus, if I had that kind of power, I'd be the one that's like miracle here, miracle there. Oh, look at me. I'm flashy. I'm awesome. And that's, that's not what he did. Mm. Like, he comes with all the power and might of God and lays his life down. And that's just so radically different than what we would expect. Oh, yeah. Radically different than what I would do.
0: I've never thought about that. Well, everything, I so, I mean, I would say dang near everything about the gospel and about what Scripture tells us about ourselves is the, what's the word, antithesis of the way the human mind would Mm-hmm. Think think it logically. It's it's a, it's unbelievable, but it works. It works. <laughs> That's the thing. So, with um, going back to the going back to what you were saying about younger people these days feeling like they have to be rushed through this childhood, have to hit all these wickets, and then even bringing in the 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 part of the conversation around um, youth. Uh, wielding technology and you, and you saying this morning they're waking up at 6 30 in the morning and they're checking their snapchat at 6 30 in the morning i mean i don't i don't look at my phone that early because i know how detrimental that is mm-hmm. it's like how do you or do you even challenge them on these things like i
2: well i my kids laugh at me i will sell them I'm like hey we're not doing that here like get off your phone not doing that. if they're really bad about it, if we're like sharing a meal together and they're on their phone, I will put my phone in the middle of the table and say you're all putting them on there. Mm. Okay. Like we're not doing that. Um so and it's just, you know, highlighting, hey, I noticed you're on your phone a lot this morning. Are you okay? I'm just kind of highlighting because we have been so conditioned to be addicted to these things that the first thing you do in the morning is you gotta pick your phone up. And then you gotta, you know, you gotta make sure that your your Snapchat score is I don't have Snapchat, so I don't think about this. But, like, you got to make sure your score keeps going and your strengths yeah. are there. And then there's a feedback loop, like on Instagram, for example, of if I posted something good, then I get a bunch of likes. And if I didn't, I don't get likes. Mm-hmm. So then there's a feedback loop, either positive or negative, of am I valuable? Um, so there's, yeah, there's a ton there that I just try to, try to highlight. Like, hey, just notice this. Are you do you see yourself doing this? Um, and just kind of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, you know, you talk about to bring things back to like building relationships. A lot of the ways that I try to spend relational capital when I make those withdrawals is really just being curious. Mm -hmm. It's asking a question Mm -hmm. and letting them talk. The smart man just to be like, yeah, I noticed this about you Are you, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, the other thing that comes to mind talking about technology is I think in our culture right now, sexuality is such a big deal um, and sexual freedom being a big a high value and that you can love who you want to love. You can be who you want to be. Um, and it, I think one of the things that comes into my mind about technology in particular is that I don't know that we're having direct enough conversations about sexuality in general.
1: Um, like healthy sexuality, healthy
2: sexuality, biblical sexuality, but even, um, you know, pornography is a huge issue. Uh, and there is, uh, you know, from my parents' generation, your parents' generation to us and to this generation currently, there has been a huge uh, in the technology boom, you know, the technology has changed over the last 10, 15 years at light speeds from yeah. what I had. So just in, 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 you know, sexuality, like porn, for example, which is a terrible thing. And
0: well, Joe Rogan says it's good for some people.
2: Well, I hey, would, don't. I would disagree with Joe.
1: Yeah. Don't digress.
2: <laughs> and I would go to bat on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, you know, if uh, my parents' generation or parents, like they had to go find a dirty magazine somewhere or a DVD. Was, yeah. And no, well, no, our, pa- our parents oh, yeah. had to go find a, a magazine. Okay, right. <laughs> like, and then, you know, we, we grew up in the internet era where, but there was like the home computer. If there was a computer in your home and it was in the living room. And that's really weird to now we've given the internet into kids pockets. And we, we, I don't think because technology has changed so much. I don't think parents in particular know how to appropriately manage those things and to set appropriate boundaries to teach a kid how to use it. Uh, and there are principles in my own life that like, like my my phone doesn't go to bed with me. Like there's a spot in our house where like our phones go to bed. Mm. They don't go to back to our bedroom.
0: That's a word man. like,
2: I'm, I've got you know, on my own phone, there's software on my phone that's keeping track of me, my computer, everything is, is monitored, not that I'm like looking for things, but just as like, hey, I need to have people in my life that have the permission to ask. And that I'm not alone. But when we we just hand a phone to a kid or hand a computer or an iPad or whatever to a kid, it's like, all right, have fun. And we don't put boundaries on that. Like, it runs rampant. And I think a lot of the cultural issues we, we have right now are that people are able to find pleasure and a sense of relationship outside of the way that God has intended for that to be. Um, So I can go and start to, you know, Google whatever I want and there it is as dark and evil as I want it to be, I can find it. But the way that God has designed sexuality is that it's meant to be within the, the marriage relationship between a man and a woman and like, that's the way that he's designed it to work because whenever we start can just click on whatever. And it, and it, and this, this conversation kind of applies to all things is that it starts to dehumanize people. Yep. It makes people, uh, a little slave to me that I can get whatever I want, whenever I want it, however I want it right now. And so we, we, it dehumanizes people. And so a lot of the relationship problems that we see right now, I think stem from this idea and this this toxic thing that's come in that's like you can just have whatever you want whenever you want it which is not at all
0: the way god designed it yeah 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 and the the dehumanization part it's like you can have whatever you want and even in terms of like communication it's like you can communicate whenever you want there's this constant like line of communication every everyday
2: friends is out there
0: yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and it it doesn't require actual face-to-face person-to-person literal conversation like looking looking at each other and 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 that is I think that's what the dehumanization part Mm -hmm. is we can begin to view Believe it or not, I truly believe we can. If you get too deep into this, you can begin to view people that you're having conversations with as a as a text screen mm-hmm. and a name on a screen, and not a real human being. It's like that's deep, man. Yeah, de- the dehumanization. That can manifest in in a human being's mind. Well, you will you will type something to somebody that you would
2: never say to their face.
0: So I think about mm. I, I do I think yep. about this all the time. It's 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 absolutely insane on on social media and on YouTube the comments that people will leave. And, and I think all the time in my own the old Chad comes through sometimes, and don't I don't really like that Chad, but he thinks. Find me, I'm not that hard to find. Find me and say that to me. Mm-hmm. just do it. Let's see how that goes for you. You won't do it right like it's 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 crazy man. but that's that's something deep to think about man. The dehumanization that technology can actually manifest in a human's mind and that is not good man. Because when, when you begin to dehumanize other people, boy, that opens the door to all kinds of wickedness and violence and things mm-hmm. that you can do to other people because you don't really even see them as what they are, right? Yeah. That's crazy, dude.
1: I want to, if you guys don't care, I really want to go back to the sexuality conversation. Like why not? Like I, I feel like there's so much there.
0: What do you, what do you specifically got on that? Mubu?
1: I was just thinking about when I was young, minus all of the crazy social media. And I had, I had access. Like I could find porn. Like you said, like by the time I was in high school, some of us had a laptop. And like you said, there was a desktop computer. Um, But the transgender, that whole movement wasn't so front and center and celebrated. And I was a really hardcore tomboy. And I just had a lot of factors that I think like all of those things, plus wanting to fit in and then seeing my peers being celebrated and kind of put up on a pedestal and treated a little different because they are going through a transition or they've decided they're a different gender or, like I couldn't imagine navigating that. So it's like, how do we as adults with kids in our lives, our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our youth group, our whoever, like how how do we speak into what's happening with sexuality in our culture as Christians without telling them you are not allowed to associate with that person. You should stay away from them. They're evil. They're terrible, like because that's not a that's not a Christian thing either. But like I like it when our nieces get older. I don't know how I would have that conversation with them about like if they come home and start talking about one of their friends in middle school or high school. She actually wants to be a boy, so and she's and like they love that person. That's one of their close friends. Like, how do you how do you go about that conversation? And like,
2: I don't have a good answer for that one. Uh, so transgenderism in particular is a really new phenomena that our culture is experiencing, that it's been, you know, like a match in gasoline, just huge. Yeah. And, and it's loud and it's in your face. Um, but I think there are some principles and, and a couple of things that we can kind of glean that I think can help us address that. And first of all is that, uh, they, they're still people like they have, they are still made in the image of God.
0: That's a good starting point for everything. <laughs> and,
2: Let's remember and, that, and therefore, like love, gentleness, and respect.
1: And a lot of them are kids, right? They're kids,
2: right? Um, and that, and that, you know, that's a whole different issue that I don't want to get into, just because I would get pretty angry. Uh, but the, I think um, we live in a world that is full of different narratives. So there's stories that are being written all around us that are offering life. And so what the way I think about these things is we tease this out and you go to the end of the story. Where are you? You know, I know of several, uh, people, I don't know them personally, but there's stories of you know, I thought I was going to find life here. I transitioned, I did it, got super depressed, regret doing all of it. And now I've made some life-changing decisions that I can't go back on. And I super regret that. Um, but even in that, like outside of the, the, the transgenderism issue, um, I think that we have to tell a better story. Like the the, the, the story that God is writing, writing, if I could enunciate, uh, is so much better than anything we can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. So whether that's, you know, the, I'm going to go sleep with a bunch of girls and live it up and party it up. I get to the end of that and I'm empty, life's not there, or I'm going to go and make a billion dollars. And then once I get the billion, I've got to worry about my second billion. And then I've got to make my third billion. And it's just this chasing of but you're never like satisfied with that there's no satisfaction your soul is not getting what it needs there it might feel good in the moment uh but what i think a lot of what's going on right now is that the story that's being offered is you don't feel comfortable in your own skin i didn't feel comfortable on my own skin in middle school Mm -mm. nobody does
1: except for chad
2: well you know the outliers everywhere yeah uh, but the, like this, the, what's being offered though, is like, oh, you don't feel comfortable in your skin. You must be this, mm. whether that's, uh, you must be an athlete, whether that's you must be transgender, you must be homosexual. You must be a party girl. I don't like whatever, whatever label you want to be on it is like, yeah. you don't feel comfortable. So let's put a hat on and see if that, see if that mm-hmm. feels good.
1: Instead of just moving through the uncomfortable parts of being a middle schooler. (laughs)
2: Well, and and this isn't just for middle schoolers. I'm just using that as an example of like, I mean, nobody's thriving in middle school. If you peaked in middle school, I'm sorry. Like (laughs) life hasn't been good to you. Um, But the, but what I am saying is that we're all going through, through this. We're living in this world of narratives and these stories that are being written around us. And I think what we need to do as believers is that we've got to tell the better story because our story is the one that's true. Our story is the one where life is found. And that's what we have to offer is the hope that yeah, life is going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. Jesus promises us if we follow him, we will be persecuted. You will suffer because of him. But the story that's being written is so much greater and good and grander than anything that we can ever imagine. That in eternity, when all, when Jesus comes back and all the ills of the world, when sin is washed away, where there's no more sickness, no more death, no more tears, like everything is as it should be. That's where life is. And that's the story that we're being invited into. And that's where life is actually found.
1: Have you found a way? To, to get these, just, just as an example, because we keep talking about like these middle schoolers, high schoolers that are in the thick of these hard things that we're talking about, have you found a way to get them t- to grab onto the idea that you just told us? Like, or is it?
2: I mean, yes and no. So I think they're one of the things in, in dealing with kids is that I, I think of it like you're a gardener. Like, sometimes you're tilling soil and you're just tilling soil and you're tilling soil. You might not get to plant the seeds. Somebody else might plant a seed. Mm. Maybe there's never a seed planted like that as like as Christians, we aren't like the, we aren't the ones that save people. The Holy Spirit is the one that saves people. We are supposed to be faithful and showing up to do our job. And there's seasons where you're just tilling soil and tilling soil and tilling soil. And there are seasons where you might be planting seeds and planting seeds and planting seeds, but you might not be the one to reap that harvest. Mm. But it's just knowing that God's story is bigger and better than you. And that in his faithfulness, his timing, trusting, praying, knowing that like he is good and does come through on his promises. That if we are just planting seeds, that maybe one day that, that seed will sprout and there will be a tree
0: or an ear of corn that grows <laughs> well that you can pick what a what a clear I, what a clear answer to to the question that i was going to ask um just you know here in a few minutes was how do we present this or how do we present a gospel message to Youth And the challenge that I see about presenting the gospel message to younger people versus adults is it's when you're young, it's difficult to come to the realization that you really need Christ. Because most of the time, I know when I was young, there wasn't like a mo- there for me personally, there wasn't a moment where it was like, Holy crap! I'm at the bottom of the barrel here, and things that are not working out, and I have got to find. I've got to search. I need something to save me mm-hmm. from myself because I can't save myself. And as a as a kid, you 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 may even be in that place, but you are not intellectually. Uh, sometimes capable of acknowledging that that's the place that you're in. Maybe you just think things are going to get better or whatever. But you know, when you approach an adult that um, has lived a lot of life and is been through a lot of hard stuff, I think an adult realizes how feeble they. <laughs> over time, they can realize how feeble they actually are in that. You know, they don't, they need some, they need something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the answer that you gave in really highlighting, you call it uh, the God's story, right? But really highlighting the life that is available to you in Christ versus or in comparison to the other option really highlighting that and honing in on that. And see, nobody ever told me that that I can remember. Mm-hmm. The gospel was presented to me as I remember in, in as a youth, as the traditional gospel. You're a sinner, you can't you can't say you can't save yourself. You need forgiveness except Jesus which that is all true. That's the foundation. But, but giving context of like, where is, what is this? What is it? Like, I'm not, I'm just a kid. I'm not a sinner. Like, give me some context on what that means. Give me some context on where that's going to lead. Give me some, give me some context on what's going to happen if I, if I don't consider this. Like, what are what are my options? Like what? How does this play out? Right, right. And that's that's more complex than just. I mean, per, I, I hate I hate to to sound like I'm advocating for not just a pure and simple presentation of the gospel, but maybe a child or young person give them some give them a little context and mm-hmm. what you're talking about here uh, does that even make sense i mean
2: i guess like i don't know how to respond directly to that that question but i, I think like as you were talking what i was thinking is that the, the gospel is that but it's so much more than that
0: y- yes there's
2: yes like there the and so You know, if I'm discipling a kid, it is, it's just being curious. Like, I don't, I don't go to a kid and talk about sin and be like, you're a sinner and you suck. (laughs) (laughs) You need to do better because that's not the gospel. Yeah. Like, uh, that's definitely not the gospel. You're right. Like that's legalism. Yeah. And that's not at all what, what my heart for kids is like, do I want you to make better choices? Yes. Like, do I want you to thrive and to live a full life? Yes, but, but what I really desire for you is, is to fall in love with Jesus and to find your identity and your life fully rooted in Him. Mm, Cause yeah. that's the only place where your soul is gonna find the satisfaction that it needs. Cause that, that is what you're created for. Um, and so you talk about adults or, or, or really everybody I'm changing gears, sorry.
0: No, I think I think you're you're exactly right as I think through this more in my head. Like this is all just new things that I'm thinking about. I think it also applies to adults. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Can I say something really quick?
0: Yeah. You just did.
1: <laughs> you guys are mean. I feel out of the, the loop when you guys are both discussing that the difference. I was thinking about how different life is as an adult versus a kid. And like what things were important to me in middle school and high school and how little my world was. Like there were probably six or seven different things, which it may be different now. Cause they, they are, uh, there's a lot more in their world, but,
2: but it's still true.
1: Yeah. It's like, it was like my boyfriend, my friend group school was like a little thing on the back burner. It was like my outfits, my dog, my family. There were just these little things Maybe a sport, but my world stayed in those things, and there really wasn't a need for a savior, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. my mind wasn't big enough to like. I had, I don't know, I don't.
0: You're getting at the root of like a challenging part. I see you're you're just what I was talking about.
1: Is yeah. that kind of yeah?
0: You're getting at the root of like the challenging part of of talking to younger people about Jesus, because I, as an adult, I deeply understand. Well, because you felt the need. My need for yes. Christ. I deeply yes. understand that. And I vow, I literally value my faith above any other gift I've ever received. Like, it's not, no, no comparison. Like, I would, I would burn everything to the ground to... To save my faith if that were possible, all my faith is being supplied to me by Christ, I believe you know yeah. in, in that, but you're getting at the you're definitely getting at the root of a, a challenging a, a challenging part. I can deeply understand that, but as a younger person, I couldn't understand that need
1: or have the need personally. at all like personally
0: but I yeah. guess everybody's different yeah everybody is different, and I think
2: you would be shocked. To know that kids do have needs like they feel those needs they might not realize that their needs aren't necessarily being met by what they're chasing Mm. but they do have need that need is still there um
0: well blake tells his testimony as a child he felt his need for christ as a child but through the anxiety he was experiencing mm -hmm. so that that's makes you know that's there's there's an example and so my my argument
2: to you, there is that like you're not the one who is going to convict somebody's heart. Yeah, you're right. You're not the one who's going to shine the light on somebody's sin. You're not the one who's going to save somebody. You're right. So, what I do, like when I talk about tilling soil and planting seeds, is it's just a continual, I'm going to continue to tell the story. I'm going to continue to tell the story of and the gospel. That, of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Love that, man. Every time I'm with kids. In a, especially in formal settings, as I'm teaching, I'm going to talk about the gospel.
1: Do you talk about it this the actual story itself? Is it way different if you're like speaking at church to the congregation versus in your youth group with middle schoolers? Like, do you do you articulate it differently?
2: So you're, you're talking about contextualization. So that's right. I've got to bring. I knew that. I've I, I've got to bring the the gospel in, to make it real into a kid's life what does this mean for me is the question yes uh there's the in 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 a youth group there's a a youth group talk kind of format you can go what so what now what like why does this matter to you and uh, something i do with kids to to try to to get them to kind of grasp their own faith because like being in the south i feel like we still have been a pretty church society and Kids might know the answers, might know the Sunday school answer to things, but even even less and less so than than I think when we were growing oh, up. Oh yeah. Uh but what I find is that kids are still grasping on to their well, I'm a Christian because my parents are Christian. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't a bad thing. Like not everybody's gonna have a radical conversion moment. The the majority of people don't. The majority of people are grew up in, in a faithful home and you know, they, there's not like I I don't have a story where there was, you know, one day where it's like, oh, I'm a Christian now. Yeah. It just kind of all through God's timing and his providence came together. And it's like, Oh yeah, I do believe this.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, str- strung out on the side of the road and had this miraculous conversion. I was a kid Yeah. and there's a story. Um, so what I have kids do though, is I start to ask the question of when did you realize your need for Jesus? How did he meet you in that need? And then what, he, what has he been up to lately?
1: That's a deep question for a kid.
2: It makes them squirm. Does not it really? <laughs> and I love it, because I ask them to share their stories, to share their testimonies, because it's important. And I, but I, I very clearly tell them, I say, I don't care when you were born. I don't care what town you grew up in. I don't care what middle school you go to. Like none of that really matters. I want to know, these three questions. And I think when by doing that, it's kind of to start to like, do I have a
0: need? Starting to work that out. Yep.
2: Do, what is my need? Has Jesus met me in that need? Do I really believe this? Or am I just doing this because my parents make mm. me? Um, to try to make take their faith of their parents and then bring it to their own. Yep. yep. Um, That's and,
0: wonderful, man. That's wonderful.
2: I can't say enough about parents, though, that... Are are faithful followers of Christ who disciple their kids, who are showing them like, "Hey, here's what it looks like to be a mature follower of Christ," and we're going to model this in our home, and we're going to talk about it, and it's it's an emphasis in our home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can see the fruits of that in what oh. you do. Like,
2: there's a I mean, there's a youth ministry moniker that uh, parents are the primary disciplers of their children, and to an extent I agree with that, and to an extent I don't. but uh, I like you, the things that are going on at home, if you are a believer and you're raising kids, that's where the money is. This is where we can we can talk about real things. this is where we can dig into life together. This is where I can model that you know what does it look like to have a quiet time? what does it look like to spend time in the word? What does it look like to have a prayer life? Mm -hmm. And I can teach you to show you the way of how, how to be a mature follower of Christ, knowing that you're a kid, you're going to mess up. I'm 31. I mess up. Like, I'm not great at this. I'm not perfect, but it's that modeling and at home, having the conversations. Um, And I think that, I mean, having the conversations cracks the can on uh, really everything we've talked about is, uh, you know, sexuality, performance, athletics, play, like all of these things. It's like as a parent to, to know your kids, to talk to your kids, to treat them with the dignity of an image bearer and to know that like your voice matters in their life. And you have a very special and particular role to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that God has called you to this moment and equipped you for this moment. And that He has people around you to support you and to help you talk through things. And like you're not alone, but you're the one that's the primary voice in their life. And that's a great privilege and a great burden.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's powerful, man. I think it's just something that a lot of people probably need to need to hear. That's powerful. What do you think about that, Boo Boo?
1: I think we don't have kids, and that idea of that kind of being on us—if we did have a kid—is terrifying. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the The burden of getting that right, and but so my
2: favorite. Uh, parenting uh, moniker or, you know, the the, the research shows is that parents that crush it 30% of the time are the ones that are absolutely doing the best. Wait, what? You have to get it right 30% of the time to be an absolute amazing parent. 30%. Huh.
1: That's doable.
2: Which in baseball terms means you need to bat 300.
1: I don't know what that means.
2: 30% of the time you're getting a hit. Okay. And I think what, and, and to use baseball's analogy here, I think we need to focus on hitting singles and doubles more than we need to try to crush it out of the park all the time.
1: Mm. You, you know what, when you said that, you know what, thought, like, thought popped in my head that I didn't say earlier, that I think is something that spoke to me is what you said about tilling and the garden and like how if we choose to to pour into our youth or to just ask questions and be curious and get to know like me with my employees it's like if I try to help pour into these individuals who are going to be with me temporarily I most likely will not see fruit from that but like that's who cares and like I selfishly do want to see fruit from it you know what I mean like I want to know If I help, you know, but like, that's just like a part of it that is a good reminder for me that like, it's like putting your grocery cart away. Like Chad said, when nobody's looking, it's like, it is just the right thing to do. It just is.
2: Well, and and I think when when you take the long-term view, so something else that I think is important is uh, let's not look to win battles. Let's look to win wars. And so, you know, winning the argument isn't always the best thing even if you are right but loving and caring for somebody
1: Mm.
2: is going to win the war Mm. to know when to to step back and to not push the issue that's the long term playing the long game of i'm just tilling soil or i'm sowing seeds yeah and i don't you know and and to trust in god's faithfulness that he's going to bring a harvest
1: yeah and I want to say too, and I know me and Rob both have engagements, so we'll have to wrap it up pretty soon. Yeah, that's fun. But
0: I don't. Yeah, this has been a powerful conversation. I don't want to get sidetracked on fitness or anything like that. This is enough, I think, for the listeners to chew on for a while.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to say that we still got like fifteen minutes. We're not. We got more than fifteen minutes. But just to to say, like, when you guys were talking about, um, when you and I knew this was going to happen, but I just wanted to speak about both of your personalities when you guys were mentioning sports and how it becomes like a thing where there's so much on kids to perform and it's not about fun. There was quite a few people who got a little frazzled, you know, and they were saying, well, and a lot of them were very respectful. Hey, well, it's also very important to push our children. And I'm like, I have Rob over here who doesn't miss a day at CrossFit. And like, I mean, you you, both of you guys are highly disciplined you both put yourself through extreme suffering to to become the people you want to be every day like i know both of y'all are going to challenge people no matter what it's like y'all aren't saying let's just be soft on all the kids and like because some of this could come across that way Mm -hmm. if if you don't understand for Who me, both of y'all are, yeah, you know.
0: For me, using using the example of, of sports, just as a, a singular example, it's 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 about pushing them in the right areas. Like right. push them to become a better teammate. Right. Push them to uh be become um a better competitor or or what the the aspects of themselves that they're that they're that they need to develop. Don't it's not pushing them to hit this certain performance standard so that they can achieve some societal goal. It's pushing them in the developmental aspects.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's where I, that, that's what I would lean most into.
2: Yeah, well, I totally agree. Like I'm not advocating for for being soft on kids. I think we need to challenge kids. Mm-hmm. The higher the bar you set, the higher they're gonna reach. Like we don't need to have low standards. So don't don't hear me say that I like you can just quit and not do anything and whatever. Like, but I do think it's really important. There are so many skills and things that, and, and lessons you can learn from playing sports that apply to life. Of hey, the going got tough. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. How do, how do you take a step back and try something different? How do you work as a team? Like what how is sportsmanship <laughs> how do you lose gracefully yep. yeah. like there are a ton of lessons that i think are super important so i'm not saying like don't push your kids and don't challenge your kids to do hard things like we i'm very passionate about people doing hard things yes like i think we well that'll be a tangent i'm not going to go down like we need to do more hard things period yeah. we need to challenge ourselves yeah period we we uh, we live in a society that is all about comfort and uh that is all about me and and so when i when i talk about sports in particular it, it's not about the like pushing your kids to do something hard or pushing people to to challenge themselves to grow because that's how you do grow is you you've got to challenge yourself yeah. you've got to do something hard but it's the mindset of that it can quickly become that this bows down that everything else bows down to this yes and and, that, and that a kid's worth is then tied up in their performance on a sports field and that is simply mm. just not true.
0: And, and to me, it's it's it to me it, it came through loud and clear. It's it's not pushing them to meet a societal standard. Mm-hmm. That's it's and it's the same with school. Mm-hmm. Why, okay, yeah, you can you learn a lot from having to go through grade school. You learn how not to quit. You learn the foundations of the knowledge that you need to get you through life. You you learn how to interact with people. All the things that you learn, all those are all important things. So yes, you should show up for school and do and and you should do well. But not but not so that you can go to freaking Harvard, man. Like it's so that you can be prepared as a human being to get through this life. Mm-hmm. So that's what came through loud and clear to me. It's when when Rob talked about rushing kids through childhood mm-hmm. it that that to me what that looks like is you're rushing them uh to meet some some arbitrary goal that's been placed on us as human as Americans by the society and the culture that we live in mm-hmm. that's what came through to me so well, and uh, nice uh, for clearing that up and to redefine what a success you know that that's that's a great uh, that is because we throw that word around man I was on a call yesterday um with a bunch of business leaders and that word got thrown around a lot and I couldn't help but think the whole time on the call in the back of my head it's like you know I'm sitting here talking to someone who's a who is a billionaire but I'm the one that's on this call saying that I have that I'm content or or yeah that I'm content that I have everything. Literally if you asked me what is one thing that you want to add to your life materialistically or based around my needs or or even my my dreams. Nothing. I'm not I'm not completely satisfied. I'm not saying that I I'm going to stop pushing myself because that that is my nature. But like success for me is defined like I can confidently say I'm successful. That's defined by me. Mm-hmm. And that, that doesn't mean successful for me doesn't mean having a billion dollars. It just doesn't. So we throw that word around a lot. and We don't freaking ever, you have to define that individually.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. and And I think in terms of kids too, I think one of the points I was trying to make is though that as as a parent myself I can get wrapped up in my own dreams for what success for my kid looks like you mentioned that yeah and I but and so really what I'm trying to say is like sports are a great place to learn a great place to like there's lots of lessons there but kids need to be allowed to be kids. Play is such an important part of growing up and I think when we when we put the pressure on, to, to succeed in, at, at a, in a worldly sense of like whatever societal standard is, we can take the joy out of things, and then kids don't want to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And instead of, hey, you want to try something new, I've got a, a middle school student who had never played tennis in her life, decided when she was in sixth grade, I want to try out for the tennis team. And I so respected that because she knew she wasn't going to be good at it. She's playing with people who have been playing tennis their entire lives and she's brand new at it. But she's like, I want to do this. Good for her. And she tried it and she loved it. She's probably not that good. Yeah. But there's joy in 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 that athletic arena at a in a middle school level that it that she was allowed to just be a kid. Just, try something new.
1: There was a Huberman episode with a lady i don't know if you listened to it and it was a really interesting concept it reminds me of this girl who tried tennis she was saying they have a bunch of data saying that like if you're approaching a kid who did really well say at a sport if you tell them you're so good at Mm -hmm. baseball it's detrimental Mm -hmm. it's limiting instead of saying you have put so much effort into this and I see how hard you're willing to work. And I, and like to, I think I told you about this, babe, Yeah, you did to, to, and I feel like that that's an awesome opportunity for her. Like, Hey, you're not really that good at tennis, but Holy cow, like the bravery and the determination it took, like that is really something to celebrate.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and just to be like the, in terms of pushing kids to do hard things, she wanted to try something. Her parents didn't say, well, you've never done that before. So you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. They were like, yeah, we're in. They got our tennis lessons. They tried things. They like, it's like, we're going to, we're going to support you in this. Yeah. But it's really the effort. Cause for my own child, my hope is not that he is just a successful person in the sense of like, oh, I want him to be wealthy. And like, I want him to be a godly and good man. Like that's my goal for his life. Mm. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. I'm not the one writing the story. Mm. I get to be a supporting role in this. And so I'm going to celebrate when he tries something and fails, but he tries his best Mm. and he works hard. And I know he left it all out on the field, even if it wasn't successful. It's like, man, you did a Like you tried really hard. Let's talk about what didn't go well. Like, let's, let's have a coaching moment. I'm like, what didn't go well? Like, why do you want to try something different next time? Do you like, and just like talking through those things instead of his whole, you know, value being tied into to success on anything success to me is like you're somebody who doesn't quit you're somebody who works hard that does what's asked of you and that supports your teammates like that's all i can ask from him
1: yeah that would that would make a better person long term than them just being gifted at the sport right i mean they're going to be more successful in life and have a better happier yeah well that's relative (laughs) <laughs> um, I wanted to ask one, and I could tell we can wrap it up. But I, is there anything that people can do? Like, because a lot of people I know have a youth p- pastor. Is that the right word? What's I'm,
2: the- I'm a I'm a director. I'm not a pastor.
1: Oh, so what's your What's your title? Youth director. Youth director.
2: One day I'll be a pastor.
1: <laughs> what up <stop. laughs> What like? What can people in the community? do like you do a lot. And I I hear people all the time at the gym, like just low key when I'm creeping, like come up to you and be like, Hey, my daughter or my son, like you made it like impact on them. I appreciate that. Like, is there a way they can support you and what you do? Or is that kind of.
2: Um, well, first of all is like your prayers for the person in that, in your community who's serving in those roles. Like, this is a really, really hard job, but I've got the best job in the world. Like I love what I do and it's, it's praying for them. It's sharing like it's money to me when somebody comes up to me and tells me like, Hey, you're making an impact. What you're doing matters. Um, Like that is wind in my sails because sometimes it is like kids do dumb things. They're kids. I did dumb things when I was a kid. Like, and so you can get frustrated. Like, am I, am I making a difference? Am I like, is, is what I'm saying getting through to anybody? And it can kind of get to a dark place. But when you have people that share, like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, you're doing an awesome job. You're showing up, you're making a difference in, in my kid's life. Like, those are the things that I think like really help me give me, energize me to be like, Oh, let's like, let's go. Like if I can, if I can impact one kid's life, Everything I'm doing is worth it. mm mm-hmm. um, That, and then... Um, I agree with you. It's hard to keep that perspective. The... I think... Um, sorry, my train of thought is everywhere.
1: We've <laughs> only been at this for, like, over two hours, so... It, it no doesn't percent. feel like it, so... <laughs>
2: um, the... Just to, like, appreciate people, um... It, like, like I said, this, this is a, it's a very time consuming job. It's a very difficult job. Um, but I love it. Um, and, but ways when people do things tangibly for my family, this feels really like selfish and like, Oh, you should do things for me. Cause it's awesome. And I love it.
0: <laughs> well, it applies to people in communities all over right. the, the United States or the world, man. Right. But if there's any like
2: tangible way that you can just like, Hey, we'd love to take, like bring you dinner or, Hey, we'd love to like watch your kids. So you and your wife can go on a date or, you know, what, whatever, like just small, tangible things that might be like an inconvenience to you, but are like it, those are the kinds of things that really speak life to me. Cause like a lot of my life is pouring out and giving and giving and giving. So when somebody like shows interest in me, uh, another third thing I would say is like, just ask how they're doing. Like don't make everything about your kids. Mm. Um, a lot of youth ministry is one sided in that I ask a question and then a kid answers and then there's no like, well, how are you doing? Or like, so, but having a parent come up and just be like, Hey, how are you doing? Uh, or or, in like showing interest in you because so much of your life is outwardly focused. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I keep on coming up with things. So sorry. No, it's perfect. Uh, there's one parent in particular in my life who I adore. And very regularly, she looks at me, and we'll just pass. Like, in in the community, we'll just see each other, say hey. And she'll be like, hey, are you resting? Are you stopping and resting? And that speaks the world to me because that tells me that she cares about me and not about my performance with her kids. mm it's that I matter and that that's, I think that's a huge message because like I'm still a person too. And I, I need encouragement. I need, you know, I need those things. Um, we so, all do. Yeah. Those would be a few things.
1: I think there will be a lot of people listening to this that most people will probably have a wait director of youth.
2: That's my technical title. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, why are you looking at me like that, Boo? You,
0: well, you got those sunglasses on. This
1: yeah. this bright. This is, uh, you guys need to replace this with incandescent. This is really disturbing. To oh, me.
0: Rob, I forgot to give you your gift. A gift? Yeah. Oh shucks. Well, you already know what your gifts are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys know our partners at Barbell Apparel. Um, they have supplied some really good stuff. For our podcast guests, so I got a pair of barbell apparel jeans right here, which are my personal favorite jeans. I know Rob's real picky about his jeans. Well, so
2: I've, I've got issues, Chad. So
0: I, I, I'm <laughs> going to be interested because you asked me about these jeans months ago. Yeah, and so I'm going to be interested on how you like them. So we got some jeans there. We got some shirts. Thank you, barbell barbell apparel, for uh, providing this for the guests. I think you're going to enjoy them, Rob. But you just let me know. I hope so.
1: And Rob, if people want to find you, (laughs) what just happened?
0: Graceful. I gracefully passed Rob's podcast gifts from Barbell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If people want to find you, Rob, what's your your Instagram or whatever? Where do you want? I don't know. Uh, Are you serious right now? I
0: really don't know my Instagram handle.
1: Oh, my gosh. Are you looking it up? Well, yes. are
0: there are there thing are there is there a place to go where people can support your ministry or N- no? <laughs> oh Lord, <God. laughs> start I'm website. not a
2: marketing guy. starting mean, a website. Man. I
1: do you have it? Because if not, uh, I
2: uh Rob underscore Edens. And you'll get to see all of two posts. So enjoy oh, yeah. that.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, your Instagram is sorely lacking.
0: <laughs> Sheesh it's probably a private profile too. No, it's public.
1: Okay.
2: All right. Good my, on you, son. But my, my my family one is private. Okay, but that's just mostly pictures of my kid. So <laughs>
1: it is all pictures of your kid. Um, boo, we got super chats. Did we really? We got a couple. Um, so the first one was Jack's Teller, ten dollars. As parents, we make things easier for our kids. We need to take responsibility for them and teach them that hard work and failures is life. And that was early on in the podcast before you guys echoed the exact sentiment.
0: Thank you, Jackson. Jax, thank you for getting us back on topic, man.
1: Yeah, he definitely. So Gary Moxon, um, I think he gave us quid. I don't know what this little thingy is. It's definitely not a dollar sign. Thank it's you, UK. Gary. Um, and then who was it? Who was that? This was Gary. Oh. Gary Moxaw. Gary,
0: I appreciate you, brother. So
1: Jax did another one, $20 this time. He said, a good thing to practice as a leader or mentor is to show them that you're willing to fail. And everything you ask them to do, you would do in the trenches and do the tasks or skills you ask them. um, Shows them the same as them. I messed that up, Jax. I'm sorry.
0: Jax is bringing the word, man. So, I never even heard from Jax before. You
1: know, when he said that was when I was talking about my employee that I didn't okay. want to enter in with, and it was very relevant and good stuff. Um, Ira Beam was the last one. $20. God bless y'all for keeping it real. To Christ be the glory and honor. He paid the sin debt I never could have afforded.
0: Ira, we love you. We love all you guys that watch and uh, and support the podcast Uh, either here on YouTube, um, just by tuning in, man, you you support the podcast. And all you guys that uh, contribute through this super chat, it's unbelievable. I never would have expected it. And all you guys that join us on Patreon and support the show there and everything that we do, uh, this literally would not be possible without you. We could not possibly dedicate the amount of time to, purchasing the equipment the time that we put into it if it wasn't for you guys you guys are the ones that make this happen and that to me is just an unbelievable gift that you guys give to us week after week after week and i I don't tell you thank you enough i'm usually just really hard on you guys and yell at you and try to piss you off sometimes but i want you to know from the bottom of my heart you give us an unbelievable gift here at 307 Project to be able to do what we've been called to do. Rob, thank you so much for your time today, man. It's a wonderful conversation, very challenging on many aspects, very informational for me personally. And uh, I'll take these things that we talked about here today moving forward in my own life. And I think that I feel personally better equipped to – approach younger people instead of just trying to avoid any contact
2: well as a hermit that's got to be hard yeah it's hard
0: but this was a good conversation man we love you rob hey i love you guys all right guys rob thanks for tuning in enough said